Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, what a joy it is to be here. Like Chris mentioned, my name is Drew, um, and I love Brooklyn. Uh, and I love Next Step Community Church, and I love um, what God is building here. Um, if you're new, welcome. So glad you're here. Um, like Chris mentioned, I'm a guest. So uh, if you don't like what you have to hear today, it's because I'm a guest. So come back next week. You'll like it next week. If you do like what you hear this week, then next, next week will be even better. So come back next week either way. So, but it is a great privilege to be here. Um, today we're actually going to look at a passage um, that actually depicts Mary, the, the mother of Jesus, a song that she sings when it's revealed to her that she's going to give birth to Jesus. Now, of course, in different Christian traditions, uh, the Virgin Mary is actually elevated to such a high esteem. And, and one of the things that we're going to notice, especially in this text, is why. What is it about her and her journey that is such an example of what faith looks like? I mean, we just had this time of silence and reflection and prayer. But what is it about her and her story that is so stunning? And so uh, let's look in Luke chapter 1. Check out what it says. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is actually her aunt. Elizabeth would end up giving birth to John the Baptist. Um, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Now, remember this clue then. Here's Mary. She's pledged to be married to Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, let me stop here and just mention one of the incredible things about, again, the biblical text is, um, it's not just some fable. These are real people with real names and real faces. These are real receipts. So if you're questioning whether this happened or not, check out Joseph from Nazareth, check, uh, from Bethlehem. Check out uh, Mary and Elizabeth and all these other names are given because these are historical accounts of what happened. Now, look at what it says. Mary was greatly troubled. Can I hear you say greatly troubled? That's right, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, uh, we're going to see in a moment why she's so greatly troubled. Uh, this angel has appeared to her. Now look at what it says. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. What an incredible invitation and vision that Mary is given. Really? This is who I'm going to give birth to? Now, look, it's a very natural question that Mary asks, though. <laughs> look at what Mary says. She goes, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Uh, I mean, could you imagine how puzzled she is? She's like, the reason why she's so greatly troubled is the angel appears to her and basically says, you're going to give birth to a son. He's going to be son of the most high. I mean, and then angel, uh, Mary's like, this is awesome. This is great. But I'm a virgin. How in the world is this going to happen? Now, look at what it says. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. <laughs> I can imagine Mary at this point is like, that sounds wonderful. I have no idea what that means. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is crazy. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who, set, who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word 
from God will ever fail. Now, here's what's stunning. Look at how Mary responds. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, I want to set a little backdrop about Mary and who she is. You see, so she's probably teenage, a teenager during this time. And back in the ancient Near East, for a woman, now I realize this sounds incredibly oppressive to women and difficult for women to hear. Nonetheless, I want to just set the stage. For women back in that time and age, the only thing that a woman could hold on to, the only thing that could allow a woman to advance in life, to be secure in life, and to get further, was to get married and to bear children. So you got to understand then. So from a young age, Mary has been told that the one thing that she needs to do to make it, to be secure, to be able to advance in life. Now again, I realize back in those days sounds incredibly oppressive. But the idea was that as a woman, the one thing, if you can just get married and if you can just bear children, this will be amazing for you, you and your life. You will be set. Now, here's the thing for Mary, though. She, she actually has the promise to be married to someone named Joseph. Could you imagine? The one thing that she's banking on for security, for comfort, to make sure that her life was okay. And here, all of a sudden, this vision appears and basically says to her, hey, listen, I know that you're, you're getting ready to get married to Joseph, but I want you to know that you're going to give birth to a son. And she's like, that sounds great, I think. Maybe? What? What are you talking about? How can this be when I'm a virgin? Now, the angel tells her, actually, it's not going to be through Joseph. It's going to be through the Holy Spirit. Now, could you imagine for Mary? Mary's in this situation. She's like, I've never been with someone. This is the one thing that I was supposed to get right was to get married and to give birth. But now all of a sudden, you're telling me that I'm going to give birth without being with Joseph? What is Joseph going to think? What is Joseph's family going to think? What is my family going to think? What is everyone going to think when they find out that I'm having a child out of wedlock without being married? Could you imagine? The one thing that Mary was banking on was getting married and being able to have a family with Joseph. And now all of a sudden, this angel comes and disrupts all of that. And here Mary is, the one thing that she's hoping for. And she's told, actually, you're going to lose that. And, and so you could imagine why Mary's so greatly troubled. She's like, what, what in the world are you doing, God? This is the worst possible thing that could happen in my life. Do you see how this is the worst possible thing? Because now all of a sudden, she's giving birth. All this shame has come upon her as a teenager what is Joseph going to think? My marriage is falling apart. My whole future is over. My ability to have a family is done. I cannot believe this is happening to me. It's like Mary is living her worst nightmare. Have you ever been in a situation like this before? Where you feel like the bottom has just dropped out and you're like, what in the world? This is the one thing that I was hope hoping for. Once I got that job. Once I got into that relationship, I felt like I had everything I needed. And then all of a sudden, the, the rug gets pulled out from under you. And have you ever felt like the worst thing in your life has just happened to you? Maybe it's been the illness of someone you love, a child who's gone wayward, 
the stress of financial burden, wherever you have been. And here's what's so stunning about this story. Because Mary actually ends by saying, God, I'm the Lord's servant. May your will to me be fulfilled. But here's the thing about this story and really about this Christmas season. What the story shows us is that with God, the worst thing that you feel like could ever happen in your life and in mine, it's never the last thing. Mary is probably like, this is the worst thing that could happen of all the things that happened to me. But somehow God enters the picture and saying, no, no, no. The worst thing that you think is about is happening in your life. It's actually not the last thing. Um, Chris mentioned earlier that Christmas season can be a really difficult season for people. I know for most of my life it was as well because a lot of times Christmas is about family and togetherness. Um, I grew up in a family with an incredibly violent home. My father was incredibly violent and abusive towards my mom and towards us. So you can imagine every Christmas season I would get really anxious about being around him and around home. Uh, an explosive fight would happen or something would happen in our lives. And uh, in the Western Christian tradition, there's actually something called Blue Christmas. Has anyone heard about Blue Christmas? Blue Christmas is actually, it's the longest night of the year. And it's introduced as a tradition where Christians would gather and experience what a Blue Christmas is like. A Blue Christmas is actually a time when, um, because, you know, New York City does Christmas right in so many ways, the pageantry, the lights, and all that stuff that I get so annoyed with. I'm just kidding. Um, See, but a blue Christmas is an invitation. The reality that sometimes Christmas and the holidays can be incredibly difficult times. And a blue Christmas is an invitation for the people of God to come together and to lament and to grieve together. That sometimes, even though the media and the city might seem like Christmas is the happiest time of the year, the reality is for many people, it's a really difficult, challenging time. Um, and a blue Christmas is this invitation for the church to collectively grieve. You know, one of the things that I love about the Christian faith is it invites us to, build, to bring before God even the worst moments of our lives, even the pain and shame, even when the world around us tells us, be happy, be great, be happy, that we can actually come with our rawest, truest longings and sadness and say, God, I really need you to show up in my life. Now, here's the thing. For Mary, the worst thing in her life is about to happen. And yet somehow, God is showing to her that the worst thing is not the last thing. In fact, look at how Mary responds. Look at the song that she sings. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. It's almost like Mary is like, wait a minute, you didn't get the memo, memo, Mary. Your life is over as you know it. But somehow she's able to see with brand new vision and with brand new eyes that the worst thing it seems like in her life is happening. But instead she's able to see, God, you are doing a miracle in the midst of this. And so look at what she says of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for, for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Now this word for humble, the original language, humble comes from the original word hummus, is from the earth. It's almost like a humble person is someone who's so grounded in reality. And so Mary is able to say like, in the midst of everything happening, you have been mindful of your humble servant. The one who's able to see what's really happening. Even though it looks like the worst thing's happening in my life, I see that you're able to do something grander and bigger than that. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. The worst thing is happening in Mary's life, and she's able to say, praise be to God, because you are working even when I don't see you. This seems like the worst thing happening in my life, but I praise you, God, because this is the kind of things that, thing that you do. You show up in blue Christmas and you make things right and well. Glory to you for generations. Now, when I think about Mary, I'm like, she has incredible faith. She has this incredible ability to somehow, the worst thing has happened in her life. And yet somehow she's able to see like, God, you're working in the midst of this. That is so difficult for me. I remember I was going through a season of unemployment and I used to think that unemployment was centrally about money and not having enough money. And for sure, unemployment gives a lot of anxiety around money. And I was, I was so nervous about it, this season of unemployment because I thought it'd be about money. I didn't realize how much it had to do with my own sense of self and my own sense of like being okay. Because people would ask me, what do you do? And I'd be like, I'm a pastor. And they're like, where? And I'd be like, why are you gonna be so personal? Thank you. What do you do and where? I don't ask you that, you know? So I, I, I realized I realize that like, even though I was going through this really difficult time, I, like, I realized God, even in the midst of my pain, God needed to actually speak to me and change me. Now, I remember reading during that time of unemployment, I remember reading this quote from Paula Darcy, who's a spiritual writer. This is what she says. She says, God comes to you disguised as your life. I remember reading this and being like, no, 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 no. God, I don't want you to come to me disguised as my life. I want you to come to me disguised as, as Jeff Bezos' life, like the billionaire, like come to me disguised as that life. Come to me disguised as LeBron James. I love his, I, I want that life. That's what I want. But if you think about Mary, she's this humble, virgin, peasant teenager. And God is coming to her disguised as her life. There are so many ways in which I want my life to be different. I want it to change. There are so many ways in which I think God's going to come to me through a miracle or through the lottery or some way. But what if whatever's happening in your life right now, the things especially that you don't have control over, God is coming to you disguised as your life. Now, different counselors talk about two different kinds of pain. One kind of pain is dirty pain. Dirty pain is the kind of pain that I feel as a result of choices that I make. Clean pain is the kind of pain that happens. I do everything right, but still, crazy stuff happens. 
So for Mary, this is a moment of clean pain. Now, dirty pain, for instance, someone says, like, oh, I'm having these health issues. Well, I'm having these health issues. I can't believe God is having me struggle with these health issues. But the reality is I haven't exercised in years, and I keep eating Cheetos thinking that my Cheetos diet is basically going to lead me to good health, right? Like, in some ways, I'm, I'm sure that's no one here. I love my Cheetos, by the way. But in many ways, that's, that's dirty pain, right? Like that's the kind of, those are the things that I have control over. But the situations of clean pain, the, the situations where I have no idea what God is doing. Why is this happening to my child right now? The kind of pain that you have no control over. The kind of stuff that you're just like, God, what are you doing in my life? And here's what the life of Mary shows us. God comes to you and to me disguised as your life. As I was thinking about this message today in my own life and journey, um, there was this moment when I was, uh, I was kind of, I was shuffling through some, some photos, recent photos, and, uh, and there was one picture of our church community and our church community, and there was this picture there, and I was like, oh, look, look, there's that person, that person, and then I said, hey, Tina, who's that person right there? And it was a picture of someone from behind, and uh, that person was, was bald, was balding. And I'm like, who's that person right there? She comes over, she goes, she, and then she sees it immediately. She chuckles, and then she goes, that's you. I was, like, I was like, that's not me. I've got like a full set of hair. Like, I, I'm, that's not me. And then she goes, she goes, hey, kids, my 11-year-old and 8-year-old, they're like, they're like, David, Avery, come over here. David and Avery come over, and they look, and then she goes, who is that guy right there? And they're like, Appa, which means uh, dad in Korean, Appa, you know? And then I was like, would you say, you know, like I was just like, but it was like this moment of like, I, like, I wasn't, I wasn't aware and I, I just haven't been aware that um, I'm not as young as I thought I was. You're welcome, thank you. <laughs> I don't have as much hair as I thought I did. And then it, it just kind of hit me like I'm, I'm balding. Like it was this moment where like, and again, this is recent where like, I'm looking at this picture. I'm like, that's not me. That can't be me. And it was kind of like this aerial view of like, like my, my, the picture don't lie. My, my head was bald as can be in the picture. And it was almost like this moment of like, I, I'm a 44 year old bald man. And you know, I, I mean, and then I, I had to repeat that over to myself. I'm a 44-year-old bald man. No matter how much I tell myself that I'm a full set of hair, that I'm young and whatever, it was like, it was just this moment of like, I'm, I've lo I'm losing a lot of hair. And, and as I was thinking about this mess, I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, God comes to you disguised as your life. There's all these things that I wish I could change, but like, Gosh, I wish I had more hair, but, and I, I don't look as young as I used to. What is God doing in my life? What is he doing in my soul? What is he, what if he's inviting me to recognize that I, I'm not as young as I used to be that, but yet God is still with me and God's still working. What if God is trying to tell me like, Drew, so much of your own sense of self was built on your appearance and having a full set of hair and whatever else. And like, and I just realized, I, just coming to this place of acceptance, like I am a 44 year old bald man.
Everyone say that with me. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to say that. <laughs> I say that for myself. God comes to you disguised as your life. You know what's extraordinary is Mary's able to step back from her own, like this revelation comes, the worst thing is happening to her. She's able to step back and be able to see things, like I said, of the earth, see things as they truly are from God's perspective. Uh, Richard Rohr has this phrase where he says, some people see things as they are. You know, like we, we see things as, as through my own lens, through my own hurt, through my own woundedness, through my own kind of anger or fears. I see things at, through my own lens, my own life. For Mary, it's kind of like, my life is over. I can't believe, you know, like someone in her situation would just be, I can't believe my life is over. But he says, some people see things as they truly are, though. Do you see the difference? Some people see things as they truly are, not as they are, as their own myopic small lens can see, but they're able to see through eyes of wonder, of grace, of God. And the thing about Mary is she's able to see in what seems like the worst part, worst moment of her life, she's able to see like, God, you're doing something. You're doing something. And I'm going to praise you because I believe in you. The worst thing is never the last thing. And God, you are working a miracle even when I can't see it or perceive it. Some people see things as they are, but some people see things as they truly are. What's the invitation for you? With whatever you wish in your life was changing, God comes to you, disguises your life right now. And God is coming to you and God is basically saying, I'm doing something in you right now. If you can just wait patiently from, if you can just trust that I am a good God. Here's what Mary's able to say. Mary's able to say, I am the Lord's servant. May your will be fulfilled in my life. May your word be fulfilled. What is it in our lives today that we need to come before God and just say, God, I am your servant. I trust that you are a good God. And of course, Jesus would come, and this is the whole message of Christian faith, that Jesus comes into the world, that in the darkest moment, he's in a tomb, and it feels like life is over. But Sunday is coming. And Jesus is going to come forth from the grave to show us that indeed the worst thing in our eyes is never the last thing. Because God is a God of miracles, and if we can just, like Mary, Bring ourselves to a place of saying, God, I am the Lord's servant. May your will for me be fulfilled. To trust that God is a good God that we can give our entire lives to.